Welcome back everyone to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. It's your host Jay here with a revisit of Kaiju number 8. Chapters 24 to 40 by Naoya Matsumoto. Join us as we revel in the adventures of everyone's favorite dad, Kafka. Join us in the shenanigans, objectively in my opinion, you know, best manga. But enough of that, we know why you're here. Let's get started! Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always at the top of the episode, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we read this week is. Uh, this is another revisit coming back to Kaiju number 8. Uh, not much has changed for me in terms of this uh, particular manga, except I heard that it's getting an anime adaptation and I am excited for that. We will be uh, looking forward to that in the future. Uh, Jacob, how about you? I don't have much of a change either. I've mentioned a million times I'm terrible about actually reading things I like. I have been uh, actually reading a couple of other things, so depending on what revisits we do in the future, I might actually have something to say. But uh, boy, I I read this in like one sitting (laughs) over the course of like, it felt like minutes. So it just reminded me how much I I need to uh, keep up with this better because it's not it's not hard. It's such a breezy read. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that leaves us with uh, Jay. Has uh, your uh, familiarity with Gaiju number eight changed at all? Unfortunately, no. Um, Similar to Sam, I heard that there was an anime coming out and I'm like, finally, Um, I have to say, I'm definitely looking forward to whoever they choose to do the OP and the ending because this, this needs to have another OP that slaps. Um, just the jam project, jam project, jam project, (laughs) please do it. (laughs) Editing Sam, play, play a bit of the Garo theme to, to convince people. It's just too perfect not to. So very, very, very excited for that. Aside from that familiarity, um, not too much, but rereading this in our second um, second visit here was again reminded of how relatively easy it was to get through. I mean, honestly, just looking at, I was pleasantly surprised to have done the reading and feel like, you know, I could do more. And mm-hmm. that's not usually something I will proudly admit. <laughs> so yeah. And you will notice that we are short a mat this week. I believe he was uh, called for some cleanup duty after a recent disaster. So uh, we'll have to catch up with him later. Right now for this actual reading, uh, we are picking up where we left off last time. It's right where we left off. Like the the conversation between... Kafka uh, and Hoshino just ended. And... Uh, You'll remember the cliffhanger we left out on was a whole bunch of dragons up in the sky (laughs) commencing an attack. And uh, what is the like fourth page of this reading section? But another one of those nice colored panels of Kafka wandering away and some shooting stars shooting right into the base. Oh, God. (laughs) He is driving and I love it. (laughs) He's so he's so calm. And then next panel, destruction. So you're saying you can never let your guard down because every time you let your guard down, this happens. Exactly. That is the <laughs> that is the very nature of a, a manga character. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be ever ready for a uh, bullshit like this. You have to be ever ready for the plot to just suddenly start happening. 
mm-hmm. Ape being a main character. <laughs> and the plot is indeed happening. A whole bunch of weird wyvern-looking kaiju drop down into the middle of the Defense Force base and have started using their crazy breath weapons to blow stuff up. Which, you know, ostensibly looks pretty cool, but then you remember mm-hmm. that, you know, people, like, die, and then it's not so cool. Exactly. People die when they're killed. <laughs> the uh, the thing that Kafka uh, immediately realizes and uh, relays to Captain Hoshina is that ordinarily this type of kaiju operates alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't normally travel in packs. So there has to be some sort of big boy controlling them. Thanks for the tip, Kafka. I'm going to call you back. The boss is here. <laughs> <laughs> Almost literally. <laughs> Basically. I mean, verifiable proof <laughs> that you were right. Yep, he's right there and ready to rumble. It's uh, another one of those weirdly intensely powerful humanoid-sized kaiju. The, the the same kind and style and general aesthetic of uh, Kafka. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kaiju number nine. So uh, I guess this means it's uh, number 10. Yeah, th- there is a bit of a funny thing with the nomenclature because, uh, strictly speaking, what the numbered Kaiju are supposed to be are ones that attack a place, survive, and get away. And uh, this Kaiju does ultimately get the moniker Kaiju number 10, despite the fact that uh, he, 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 he does not ultimately survive this uh thing so it's one of those ones where it's like okay we're just naming the the humanoid ones now we're just numbering the humanoid ones now yeah Mm -hmm. because wasn't it a huge deal that humanoid kaiju were just inherently rare so i i would say that it also extends to not only being able to survive encounters and being a recurrent threat but it's also just humanoids in general they're also tending to be extremely strong as this one rates as an as an uh, 8.3 so it's a daikaiju class uh, yes yeah. i keep on forgetting there's actually a scale to this and it's not just arbitrary yeah they're yeah. uh they're they're very strong they're very smart i think the implication and the the manga doesn't state this outright but the implication is that um, giving a number to this uh new humanoid kaiju despite the fact that it didn't actually get away is a new thing that they're basically just like eh, we better number this thing anyway it is it is unusual enough that it deserves it unusual is right because he is one ugly son of a gun He's got a triangle hole in the middle of his face that opens up, is lined with teeth, and has his eye in it. And I'm like, ugh. And he has uh, two sets of teeth in his mouth. He has... It's vaguely human, but uncanny, because they're all, like, completely flat. flat. And then you have... And, and they're behind the incisors. It's... Ugh. Of uh, like like a like a maw of monster teeth behind that. There is a lot of this is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes because there is a lot of um really cool, really well done. Please check out this series uh, action scenes, but aren't necessarily the easiest to go over in an audio medium. Captain Hoshina has a uh you know a great battle with the humanoid kaiju leading this charge. Uh, but the important plot point is we get another one of those uh battlefield commander moments of uh kafka because he's disassembled them he knows that uh they're uh, weaker in the back because uh they have to be light enough to fly essentially he is like that um i don't want to say funeral director but (laughs) 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 he's he's the equivalent of like either a master surgeon and or um um 
gosh, where are they called? Uh, mortuary. Mortuaries who just have the intel because I've, you know, have to part bodies for a living. It's, I just inherently have this information. It's kind of creepy, but it is what it is. And now here we are. <laughs> I also had a bit of a bleach moment as we were ruminating over the humanoid kaiju and how in Bleach universe, they would be either the Ajutas or the Vastalorde, as far as Hollows. Mm. You're welcome. Mm. <laughs> we'll get to Bleach eventually, I promise. Yes. Everyone keeps saying that. And now Bleach potentially would be in Disney jail. <laughs> well, then that's when we have, that's when, uh, we have to do an episode in order to... Yes. Uh, Sam, is gonna, to the Sam is going to let me do an episode once Bleach gets out of Disney jail, and who knows when that's going to happen. No, 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 no. We have to do a, a, an episode when it's in Disney jail to stick it to the mouse. Yeah, to get it out of Disney jail. But in the meantime, we're, we're uh, talking about a different manga. Uh, the mm -hmm. other the other big thing is that normally uh, these types of kaiju operate basically like animals. You know, you put, you know, two super predators in close proximity to each other. One will either run the other away or they'll kill each other. Uh, so the fact that they're all together is weird enough on its own. But when the uh, defense force, the garrison at the base uh, is setting up to defend, they, you know, get Kafka's call, uh, you know. OK, we hit it from behind. Easy. Yeah, Let's fire let team. Fire team in the front distracts it. Uh, get somebody behind to uh, uh, snipe the weak spot. Hit the oh. weak point for massive damage. Oh, but wait a minute, they're actually coordinated, so they're uh, covering their own flanks, preventing us from getting at the weak spot. What the hell do we do? They're learning. They are learning, and it's terrifying, which is why it's a good, which is why it's a good thing that our other main character showed up. Yeah, it really is a Monster Hunter Axe, 100 percent. Yeah, as a, as a cosplayer, I would definitely love to make this. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to the to the anime here. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the little girl big sword trope, except with a ballistic axe. Well, you know how they say in weapons training, sometimes you need to let the weapon do the work. This is the perfect balance of this. <laughs> it's almost like daddy helped her or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is good. I'm not going to take away her 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 street cred, but I mean, daddy did help. <laughs> a part of the reason a part of the reason why she has the talent that she does is because she had more practice than anybody else, which that is daddy. <laughs> then again, she also has a lot of daddy issues because of that. So it kind of balances out, I suppose. But we'll get into that later. Uh, she got her unique uh, captain weapon. Uh, well, not a captain yet, and is using the massive axe to just crush through these supposedly invincible armor points with some Basically, just an entire chapter of her being a badass. It's really cool. Uh, there's a lot of really great poses and facial expressions for uh, particularly Shinomiya, but uh, man, can this uh, manga do character shots in general? Oh, yeah. Which is why it's perfect. It literally combines so many aspects. But it's also a bit of a fun moment of Shinomiya makes a comment of, uh, this giant axe doesn't suit me at all. So <laughs> what a bunch of people think, no, that's uh, that's your personality solidified into a weapon that actually fits I'm, I'm just saying all i can think of is the term battle axe being used for women <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that girl's a battle axe oh no sure. 
<laughs> Even Reno is like, no, I think it's pretty on point for Yuri's aesthetic. You just need to embrace that. <laughs> Maybe not on the outside, but definitely internally you are a battle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that I think the technical term is Moe Gap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, uh, they're dealing with the mooks. Uh, Vice Captain Hoshina has lured the boss into the Hiroaka-style fake city training ground. Yeah. And epic battle ensues. He, he He's clobbering because this is what he's built for. It's, uh, a human, it's a human-sized enemy, so his sword's powers are working perfectly. Yeah, he can just slice the thing because, you know, it's like one of the one of the most powerful aspects of a lot of the particularly strong kaiju is that they regenerate really quickly, which seems to be a really common trend lately in manga. Yeah, they uh, regenerate super quickly, but um, Hoshna can just slice an arm off and it doesn't matter how much muscle you have behind you. If your arm is liberated from your body, you can't actually put any power behind your strikes. That's quite the term. Your arm is liberated from your body. I promise, I didn't behead him. His head was just liberated. His head was liberated. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that keeps happening is this humanoid kaiju, boy, you're not, uh, you don't really seem all that strong. And then he tries to punch and then his arm is, uh, is Gibbs on the ground. <laughs> Vice Captain Hoshina is the storm that is approaching. It's show me your motivation. He and... is both the quiet before the storm and the storm itself. That's why I love him so much. Yeah, he ends it with the, uh, with the judgment cut. Or at least it looks like he ends it. But then uh, Kaiju number 10 uh, explodes, expands. It enters phase two and becomes yeah, it, big. I mean, strictly speaking, what it's doing is it's entering phase two, like 100 yeah. percent. And uh, it, what it's actually what it's doing in universe is that uh, it, you know, during its regeneration, it's it's physically expanding and it ultimately becomes a uh, monster sized uh or uh, I suppose a kaiju-sized kaiju, because technically uh, uh, kaiju specifically means giant monster, but they'll use it for a lot of different... Because uh... kaiju is that specific connotation. It's not just a regular bakemono or yokai mm. or anything like that. It is a kaiju. And now this thing has truly become kaiju with uh, city block shattering punches at fortitude nine. Uh, uh, Vice Captain Hoshina is doing his best to keep up with it, but now his... Uh, attacks are too small to cause uh, true damage to it. Yeah, the sword doesn't the sword doesn't pierce deep enough. And worse, even his super speed isn't letting him outmaneuver it because it has more of those gross mouth eye things. And now it's all over its back. Ah, God, I hate it. It's so gross. And the uh, the third problem, which actually pops up uh, almost immediately before the uh, back eyes, is it's something that had been paid lip service to up to this point, but we hadn't actually seen it. If you maintain the uh, extra power output from the suits for too long, uh, the human body can't handle it. Because what they're doing is they're using kaiju body parts, like muscle fibers, to enhance their strength and, uh, you know, wield the power of the monsters that keep attacking the city. That's how humans are able to like fight them directly but the human body wasn't built to handle that amount of power for extended periods of time and uh, it has sort of the uh, uh effect of like you know going on adrenaline and lifting a car it's like that that will break you if you do it too long and uh captain hoshna is uh approaching that limit at this point get a flashback to his tragic backstory uh he he proceeds to be made of death flags for the rest of this section <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. He even has the classic of a chapter starting out with a, a flashback to his backstory. It, 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 to his childhood about how he should give up. <laughs> like, you should give up on joining the defense force. No one uses swords these days. It's outdated. Yeah, he's he's he is made of death flags, which which I I, I like that they don't do the obvious thing relative to that. He, he gets up with a with a big smile, like I'm still kicking. Don't worry. And <laughs> trope though in Japanese like modern, um, I don't want to say modern culture, but it's just always a trope because you know calling back to you know what is considered the official quote unquote official weaponry of Japan. And then the whole swap out where they're like, oh, Japan needs to modernize. We need to outlaw swords and everything. And it's just like, but you can't decouple the two. And then uh, the uh, the death flaggiest flashback of all is. Uh, and he meets Captain Mina and she's like, you're good with swords. Excellent. I need someone who's actually good with swords because I can only shoot things. I can't melee fight for my life. I'm a long range friend. I can't do close range. You can do close range. We should work together. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover is, each other's weaknesses <laughs> which is the death flaggiest of all the death flags <laughs> <laughs> they're Mina really trying well, to convince you he's going to die here Mina might as well be wearing a, a cowled cloak and carrying a scythe when she says that <laughs> like come on she's secretly a future devil <laughs> <laughs> the future is awesome. Those seem to be infecting a lot of other manga, which I am not against. As long as it stays within manga and does not come to real life, I am on board with this. Like Kafka is like partially transforming to try to get there in time, but he's obviously not going to make it. So like all of the death flags are coming to a head and Hoshna is like, <laughs> looks like I won to the kaiju, at which point it gets blasted in half because uh, Mina's arrived. Yes, and we get the uh, the best bit of information about Mina possible, which is that her gigantic tiger friend serves as a brace when she's firing her. By the way, this Megan woman Anna. has a tiger. She has a tiger. She has a tiger. <laughs> It's like I was screaming about in the last episode. It's like, you know, you've fallen behind your shonen rival when they show up with a tiger. I'm just saying that's kind of a flex. You just show up like, yeah, you're in your your, your combat gear. And then it's out of nowhere. Tiger. What are you going to do? I mean, mean, like on top of it, on top of everything, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's not just a tiger. It's not just there to flex. It's there so she can shoot you more effectively. The tiger. The I, tiger is a gun brace. I love that she probably wrote this off as a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> that and all the feed for the tiger. <laughs> I kind of, I need a tiger. Well, couldn't you, you know, settle for maybe a horse or something? Or re- no, I need a tiger. <laughs> or couldn't you settle for, I don't know, a bipod? <laughs> No, tiger. Tiger. You don't understand. It's <laughs> The tiger, tiger's name is Baco, by the way. <laughs> yes, and he is a good boy. This is, this is absolutely one of those ones where it's like, this is rule of cool, but absolutely stupid. But they do such a good job of justifying it because it's like, if she had a mechanical stabilization method, she wouldn't be as mobile. But the tiger can keep up with her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I accept this because it's really cool. I mean, I'm just in the financial department. I see this request for reimbursement for tiger funds. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn? 
It's like, did you learn <laughs> nothing from those American circus uh, performers? You're going to get eaten by this one day. Nah, Baco's a good boy. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's between the tiger and the kaiju. I would trust the tiger more, but that's, uh, that's not a high bar. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of kaiju, uh, kaiju number 10 is uh, anticipating the shots and uh, not allowing itself to take uh, catastrophic damage. Uh -oh. So Hoshina and also Shinomiya have to put in one last uh, push to cripple it long enough for Mina to <laughs> snipe its core right out of its goddamn chest. It's so cool. But first, you must make a decision that will jeopardize how others perceive you going forward. Yes. What do you decide? Because uh, while our three uh, super-powered characters are successful in Destroy Kaiju number 10, and most of the Wyvern-type kaiju have been contained, there are yet more of them up in the sky, and uh, we have learned that they can explode. And at a last-ditch effort from number 10, they have all combined into... Well, I was going to say a nuke, but let's be real. It's the meteor that was falling on the city in One Punch Man. <laughs> Again, calling back to why this just is, has One Punch elements, and that's part of the reason why mm. I really, really enjoy it. And I mean, to some extent, this this does almost kind of feel like a less of a parody and more of a played straight version of One Punch Man, which mm -hmm. honestly, that was something I was saying. I totally uh, read that. And this is absolutely that. This is... This is great it for is. that. I have to say that this has to take from One Punch because One Punch precedes it. Yeah. So One Punch is a parody of all other shonen action manga anime previously. And then this is a continuation taking elements from One Punch and yeah. just making Playing it, it a straight version. Yes. Yeah, playing it straight. And it's it's one of those cases where it doesn't take away or diminish anything about One Punch Man, but like just from a personal perspective, I love One Punch Man from a meta contextual perspective but man i get in way more invested in kaiju number eight uh mm -hmm. before we get to the actual um uh bomb attack uh we have a really uh good moment with kafka where uh he sees uh uh mina hoshina and uh shinomiya after the battle uh saluting each other and <laughs> he's so he's so desperate to be at, at that level yeah he wants to join the cool kids club and it's it's very cute. Uh, unfortunately, the cute is ruined by the big kaiju meteor. And uh, they're really not sure how they're going to deal with this. Uh, no one can, like, destroy that. Or uh, can they even evacuate in time? Mina had uh, uh, spent all of her ammo on the actual, uh, the, like, main threat. <laughs> on the boss monster, yeah. So uh, Kafka rushes into the scene um, we have a great moment where he's like using his kaiju powers to run faster and Hoshina's like, wait a minute, how the hell did he get so fast? And then uh, very next page, uh, this is how, boom, he turns into kaiju number eight in the sickest panel I have ever seen. That was Man. a drastic choice. We have to go through the mental turmoil and his teammates, you know, who do know the secret, like shouting at him saying, are you, sh don't. <laughs> And everyone else like, wait a minute, Kaiju <laughs> number eight is Kafka Hibino? What? what the hell? Yeah, I, I, oh, God, I think it's, it's I think it's a little bit later, but uh, Hoshina. Uh, oh no, this it is it is at this point where he's like, uh, I totally knew it. Kind <laughs> of thought that that was possible. I just really didn't want it to be because I liked him. It's like, <laughs> crap. You why do you do this? Why do you make me hate you? 
<laughs> but it's uh, I, I gotta talk about the panel where he transforms it's so cool it's a low shot of him like activating his powers and he's like framed against the moon swirling in the sky and it's so cool but um unleashing it, it's a whole chapter of him doing this again uh talking very about, one punch man vibes yeah, yeah. Talk about this manga being a breezy read. Uh, v very easy to just flip through and consume vast quantities of it. There is a whole chapter of everyone present realizing either, holy crap, Kafka Hibino is catching number eight, and then there's Shinomiya like, God damn it, Kafka Hibino, why? <laughs> you know how much paperwork I'm to this? <laughs> but uh, he spends like half the chapter charging up his mega punch. And looking like Saitama, you're not going to fall on my town, clobbers the bomb up into the stratosphere where it detonates harmlessly. Everyone, everyone hitting the deck and Kafka cool guys don't look at explosions turned away from it. <laughs> yes, that is that entire like panel. Oh my that's God. a that's a whole page. That's a two page spread. <laughs> I'm gonna compare it to Garo again. This is this is a hundred percent like a parade of rule of cool, and I love it for that. I love overqualified protagonists like this. The stakes are still very real because uh, he notes that like uh, he put everything he had into that. He's not really gonna be able to get away, and he doesn't really know that he wants to at this point. And uh, Mina has to uh, arrest him and take him into custody, uh, which is... Uh, in a, yeah, in a panel with just great juxtaposition, because it's Mina holding the gun up to him, saying, I'm taking you into custody. She's got this hard look in her eyes. And then the other panel is Kafka, the Kaiju number eight, like, shell crumbling off of him, and his eyes are just tired. Well, yes, right, be right before this panel, though, he like, has to apologize, knowing that he really, you know, messed up. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I'm so sorry I let my teammates down after I told them I would, you know, be on the download and keep this hidden as long as possible. But in the betterment of, you know, protecting humanity, I kind of well, That would have been a lot of bodies if not yeah. for, uh, if he hadn't done this. I want to say that even in that last panel where you see um, Mina looking at him, like, sternly still, there's still a bit of, like, disappointment. It's just like... <laughs> which is a, a lot of their relationship both back and yeah. forth it's just it's mostly directed at kafka these days because mina got onto the defense force right away whereas it took kafka so much longer uh but and it's skipping ahead to the end of the next chapter but um the, there's a lot of like really subtle moments from uh mina where because it, it skips around a little bit in the next uh you know bit until we get to like the big set piece moment of this mm. next section Mina's face when Kafka's like, I still intend to uh, be by your side. She's like, yep, I'll be waiting for you. It's the most subtle smile. And like, I love a lot of the expressions because a lot of times what manga will do to like convey something is that they'll go to the extreme. And that's in a lot of cases, the advantage of either uh, sequential art or uh, animation is that you can do uh, extremes that real life wouldn't work. But man, you know, Kaiju number eight does those super well, but it also has these really subtle moments where just the look on Mina's face says everything. She oh, was yeah, that... initially shocked, but like, it's still Kafka. She knows that. Yeah, that that juxtaposition panel I was talking about, like she's looking at him very sternly, but we've seen what her being like cold and merciless looks like. It's not that look. It Her look is like 
almost there there's a there's a level of worry to it yeah it's confused it's uh, uh it's angry obviously yeah. <laughs> but she's she doesn't look like she's ready to just you know immediately pop him or uh you know condemn him to death or whatever she understands that there's something going on here that she doesn't know about and she has to find out what it is yeah, she has to do her job, but uh, mm-hmm. Kafka is still Kafka. And and one thing that we mentioned in the last section is that element of, for all of the professionalism Mina has, that she's absolutely not going to drop for Kafka's sake because she can't. It And there are perfectly legitimate and reasonable reasons why she can't. Um, you know, she still has to treat Kafka like the rank-and-file soldier that he is, but that's still her friend. And their their feelings for each other uh have not changed in the slightest in all the time they've mm-hmm. been apart and it's conveyed not just in the words but so subtly in the facial expressions uh yeah, that's what makes it great with uh kafka aka kaiju number eight uh captured that's about uh halfway through uh our uh yeah. reading, reading section this time so uh we'll take a short break and be right back with uh, the fallout of this incredible story turn. Welcome back to the show, folks. Where last we left our uh, heroes, uh, Kafka had did a big heroic thing. It was very cool and definitely saved the world. Um, unfortunately, it also outed him as Kaiju number eight to the entire defense force, and that's a bit of a problem. As mentioned previously, there's a bit of a out of order way of telling it because uh, we get basically we get teased that Director Shinamina. Uh, our Shinamiya's father is going to be a major character soon, and uh, we get... And boy, howdy. <laughs> we get surprisingly a lot less of the other squad members' uh, reactions. I think one of the big things, uh, you know, because one of the things I mentioned last time was that it has a big cast, but everyone feels relevant, and that was one of the big strengths of Kaiju Number 8. And that was still definitely true. Uh, this isn't a criticism, but one thing I couldn't help but notice is it felt like there was less of the rest of the characters it was mostly kafka mina and uh shinamiya mm. and i think the big reason for that is the fact that shinamiya was such a major force in this reading section this section was also pretty heavily focused around the whole bit of kafka revealing that he's kaiju number eight and yeah so we it, while it would have kept to like the character drama and interpersonal actions that we enjoyed last time it, if it, it would have kept true to that if we focused mostly on other squad mates reacting it also would have felt kind of disingenuous because it's like hey why isn't the rest of this military organization reacting to this enemy in their midst yeah and and it really is the case where i'm i'm relatively confident that we're you know where we go after our reading section ended is going to be uh basically uh ping-ponging between uh what happens to kafka at the end of our reading and the reactions of everybody else because they basically set up an arc where everybody's gonna have like a chapter or two focusing on them individually 
and then uh, eventually the squad's going to come back together when the base is rebuilt. Uh, but first, we do have to deal with uh, the fact that uh, our boy has been captured. And uh, yes, uh, Papa Shinomiya is uh, get, is getting ready to deal with that. And can I just say, the panel where he's introduced... <laughs> why does he have the Devil May Cry 5 logo as a scar on his head? <laughs> That's what that is, right? Well, I, I don't know Devil May Cry, so... Uh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's got a badass scar and uh, wants Kafka brought over to the base for interrogation. I think that's supposed to be a shadow because I don't think he has that I, in other shots. I like to think it's a it's a Devil May Cry 5 scar just so I can put in more Bury the Light memes. Bury the light deep within. Oh, that's fair. That's I think Sam in the future does have the power to do that at his uh, leisure. But anyway, we do have a pretty sweet send off where Kafka is being removed from uh, the division headquarters and being sent over to HQ's facilities. And he's kind of being perp walked out into the troop transport. And there's a bit where it looks like the entire squad has kind of abandoned him because they're all, you know, faceless standing there with their guns. You can only tell who's who by their crazy anime hair. <laughs> I mean, that's a good identifier. <laughs> it's the reason it anime uses this. I'm just saying, are, can you not identify the top anime protagonists by their hair? <laughs> I, I can I can absolutely tell who is who in this panel. And <laughs> despite the fact that all of them are wearing face masks and their eyes are shadowed. So, <laughs> oh, but it, it does have a... Uh, intense effect on Kafka, who is berating himself for not even being able to look them in the eyes. But when we do see uh, Reno's eyes return specifically, it's when he calls out to Kafka saying that he has faith that he'll come back. And I'm not going to lie, I choked up a little bit at that. <laughs> My heart was warm. <laughs> like, well, I mean, think of, well, from our reading, it's revealed that we really haven't had too much experience with this, but it just gives... A lot of throwbacks to, you know, not just manga, but also just literature where like the pro tag does a noble thing and then is horribly punished for it and then they never come. Yeah, but also, you know, the people that, you know, his day ones, his friends and family will have faith in him despite the horrible thing that happened. It wasn't horrible until like the higher ups found out about it. Everyone else was getting along just fine. Yeah, as we slowly brought more and more people into this conspiracy of knowing that he was a kaiju. Kafka, he's restrained at, at headquarters, and we have a scene of Koru Shinomiya approaching her father uh, about the uh, the subject of... Well, she makes a point of well, saying Kafka Hibino. Daddy issues the character proceeds to daddy issues the character at her. Though, I, this, is, this is another case where I, I, I freaking love this series. I just have to compliment it again. Um, there is a really subtle uh, element of um, character development for uh, Kikoru here. It's very clear from like the flashbacks we got before she learned about Kafka's kaiju transforming ability um, that she's never stood up to her father before. She has always, you know, been desperate for his, uh, his approval and has never gotten and has never made a point of never stepping out of line and, uh, so as not to risk potentially getting it. And uh, in this case, um, 
she just looks him in the face and says, you're wrong. <laughs> like, there's the element of she can't do anything particularly extreme because, uh, you know, there is also just like the situation with Kafka and Mina where there's like a, uh, uh, you know, a military officer and subordinate relationship in in addition to their own personal relationship. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, not something ultra overt, but... Uh, I love that it shows that, uh, you know, <laughs> the the uh, Kafka's are real dad moments have uh, have uh, everyone's real dad. That is the entire overtone of this entire yeah. manga. He is, and it's and it's really it's uh, awesome. rubbing off on her because uh, uh, that's everyone's dad. Yeah, uh, General Shinomiya is like, I know you think that thing's your friend, but it, we scanned its body. It doesn't have a heart. It's shaped like a heart, but it's a kaiju core. It's a kaiju, like the ones that killed your mother. I'm going to destroy it. And uh, Kikuru. I'm going, to, I'm going to leverage our family trauma to keep you in line because I'm a likable person. That really stung. And I'm like, whoa, there's so much to un unpack there, but ouch. And extremely uncalled for. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love uh, and, and, and of course, and huge props to Kikuru for even then being able to uh, stand up and say, I still want to believe in Kafka. I also really love director Shinomiya in this. Uh, that section is there to show you that, yes, he's still daddy issues the character. You're not supposed to like him. He's not a good person. He's pretty definitively an asshole. That's it's not in question. Uh, but we'll we'll actually end up seeing quite a fair amount of range uh, from him over the course of uh, the rest of our reading. One of the first things that we see is, um, and especially in a series like this, you kind of expect him to be a bit of a loser. This is a rule of cool series uh, at a fundamental level. Level. uh so you want to see the heroes you know kicking villains asses Clobber. and of the bad guys so you think he's being set up as a nice big easily hateable bad guy to get clobbered as a result to get knocked down but one of the things that is the uh very first moment that really shows you that despite the fact that director shinomiya is still at the very least, an antagonist. Certainly not a villain, but at least an antagonist, uh, even at the best of times. He's an antagonist and yet also, you know, still strong and an ally. Is uh, He looks up when he enters the, the chamber that Kafka is and he looks up at the people who are monitoring his restraints and it's like, let him out. Uh, sir, this is Kaiju number eight. It's far too dangerous to... Have you forgotten who I am? That seems like a really arrogant line, and it is, and the paneling shows that, but the really cool moment that shows that this character has more depth than, uh, you know, is immediately obvious is he also notes... If he really is a Daikaiju class, he could have easily broken those man manacles. He is sitting in that chair because he wants to be open the restraints and like that level of perception awareness. and understanding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and awareness of the situation really goes to show that he is not merely a douchebag to be brought down uh, for the cathartic pleasure of the audience. He is a force to be reckoned with independent of all other factors. And uh, then basically we get a uh, it's relatively obvious very quickly what's going on is that uh, director Shinomiya is uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to fight. This is either me putting down the monster or your last chance to prove that you're not a monster. And also I might I might have a bit of uh, uh, Shonen Protag blood in me, too, because uh, <laughs> he, he, he seems to very much enjoy his job.
Oh, that this guy was definitely the Goku of his generation back when he was a a young man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, in a lot of ways, I'd, I'd say he's more of a TN, but uh... yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I mean, Goku in you know the strongest guy sense. Yeah, in, in a broad sense, but like you know, n- not for nothing. I really do feel like there there is an element of uh, this is someone who had like good in him you know the, all the potential in the world but pragmatism yeah air quotes pragmatism overwhelmed his sense of morality and and he's very much uh do the yeah. thing no matter the cost the cost is uh he uses uh one of the big super weapons uh developed from a named kaiju uh a pair of uh giant smash fist gauntlets uh, made from kaiju number two and uh, proceeds to go uh, buck frickin wild on Kafka to the point where despite how much he wants to stay in humanoid f- or in human form in order to, you know, express the fact that he is a person, not a kaiju. Uh, he is basically immediately thrown into his kaiju form out of raw desire to live. Kafka senses the order, uh, the aura of a die kaiju coming off of director shinomiya uh we get it he is because uh we mentioned in the previous reading that uh kafka actually has the ability to sense the presence of other powerful kaiju and he is getting that from this man so (laughs) that is frankly terrifying (laughs) we get an interjection from uh from the deputy director uh who i'm sure will be important at some point the second ever kaiju worthy of a name who looks suspiciously like godzilla (laughs) it really does i'm sure 1972 is an important year for some reason but uh there was no godzilla movie in that year to my recollection but uh kaiju number two uh was basically repurposed into this super weapon and general shinomiya is the only one capable of using it uh because it is simply that powerful and he is that badass and and like this is a cool fight on like a pure physical violence level like it's it's very neat because you know kafka's forced into kaiju number eight form and you know fighting with all his power partially because one attack blasted his ass so hard that he was knocked out and the kaiju body took over on raw survival instincts. It very rapidly stops being director Shinomiya either disposing of or testing Kafka and becomes basically a battle between kaiju number eight and the ghost of kaiju number two. Meanwhile, Kafka is having a a kind of battle inside the mind where the weird little gremlin thing that scampered down his throat is like in his brain where like a smaller him is kind of trapped looking like looking like um Aaron Yeager <laughs> in in the Titan form <laughs> like goddamn may have been some uh, inspirations to different things in different places but what while this amazing battle of the Daikaiju is going on uh Kafka is desperately trying to regain control of his body tell the little gremlin thing to shut the hell up 
uh the other the other really important factor is uh <laughs> yeah uh, director shitamiya has established that he is not uh he is not going to be a snobbish asshole pushover who uh gets cathartically uh walloped and is uh never bothered with again he's actually very intelligent very strong very savvy but uh <laughs> he does get knocked down a peg because he underestimated how powerful kaiju number eight could be uh, and uh, he's not doing so great. So Kafka is now on a time limit because not only does he know that no one would believe he's human if he kills the director of the Defense Force, but also he would probably want uh, Kikoru to kill him before he let that happen in front of her. So <laughs> he's in a situation where I'd rather die than <laughs> disappoint my daughter. Yes. <laughs> I can't disappoint my daughter by killing her biological dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is unconscionable. It cannot happen. Yeah. And M Mina may be best girl, but Kikoru is best daughter. <laughs> it it looks like uh Kaiju number eight is actually about to win this fight and finish off General Director Shinomiya when Kafka regains just enough control to redirect uh the uh attack that is going to like <laughs> atomize <laughs> Shinomiya basically and uh drive it into his own core to force the kaiju part of him to sit the hell down it was pretty pretty meta at this part i was just like what <laughs> well, the the thing in particular that uh, got him to stop and regain control was, uh, and it, it wasn't even a uh, a like distant memory of Mina. It was the memory of Mina from the trip ride to this location, and you know the fact that she's you know she's still the same person after all this time. You know she's still waiting, and uh, that's the thing that. Uh, gives him the strength to uh, stop himself. Uh, yes, it's kind of like, I want to say, like, when you fear as a child, you fear your parents' disappointment as opposed to them coming out and saying, <laughs> I'm upset with you. It's like, no, I'm disappointed. Somehow <laughs> hurts worse. <laughs> Thankfully, Kafka is uh, still up and kicking. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he's still up for a moment. He's, still, uh, uh, yeah. he's, he's not kicking right now. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh he drops he, he 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 had not actually killed himself uh he had merely uh, honestly he mortally <laughs> wounded himself because that was what he needed to do to stop himself but they have um in a way extreme showing like humility the thing is they have like godzilla universe tier science fiction medicine to work with so they are able to revive him meanwhile while he is in the pod <laughs> <laughs> the pod <laughs> gotta bring the dbz pods back <laughs> <laughs> always gotta have the pods general shinomiya makes the declaration that kaiju number eight will be used as uh, a weapon for the defense force as a willing participant of his own volition not uh, to be sliced up and repurposed into gear like well something out of monster Damn, hunter you're going, i'm just saying it's like they're pulling between oh is he a human or is he a monster oh we decide he's a monster oh yeah he totally of his own free will is going to be a weapon you can't have it both <laughs> yes. ways sir <laughs> and, and and that's the whole thing because there's so much uh there's so much going on here that is giving um director Shinami a protagonist flags but they can't but like the thing is he's still a 
absolute asshole. He's still a bad person, you know, and he can't he's like just he's a dick. And the and I think one of the big things is it's really illuminating. It does it in an extremely roundabout way, but it does a really good job of showing a fundamental element of uh, director Shinomiya that would normally not be shown this early. But what ultimately happens is he he gives a lot of very direct and very overt signs of respect towards Kafka, because quite frankly, Kafka kicked his ass. Kafka's stronger than he is, and he respects that also the aspect that he kind of deep down obviously no not overtly he wants to be proven wrong prove me wrong <laughs> i mean there is that aspect of it and that's sort of the reason why he's not just an overt villain but the the sort of important thing is that um despite the fact that he very overtly very uh obviously at least to the audience respects uh kafka at this point he's still gonna use kafka like a tool which because why wouldn't he <laughs> immediately makes me think of his relationship with his daughter kikoru has always had daddy's love and respect he's just unfathomably <laughs> about showing it <laughs> it's a really uh a clever way of like maintaining his despicableness yet showing that He's not a mustache twirling cartoon villain. He's a person. Mm. He's a he's just an asshole. Yeah. And uh, his, his practicality is pretty great. Like, uh, uh, I do like the moment where he's in, like, the council of the other generals and uh, they're just like, you know, there's no real precedent for doing this. Precedents are meaningless when we're facing threats like this. Also, we make precedents. I'm making the precedent now. <laughs> Yes, we are doing this. I am in the big chair at this table. So <laughs> shut up is basically what it amounts to. And, like, you know, it, it, it's one of those ones where it's like, that's a pretty cool moment. He's also being a childish little dick. I'm in the big chair. I have the talking stick. It never lets you forget his negative aspects whilst still showing that he isn't just something to be cathartically defeated. He is actually he is a pillar of stability for the good guys. It's a balancing act that a not, not a lot of um, stories in general are able to do with characters. And it, I think, owes a lot to uh, the way that like there, there are so many real people in this. Uh, I think that's another reason why uh, last time when we got more focus on other people, it felt like there were so many like fully realized characters who could be the protagonist of their own story. Because normally it's only the protagonist that gets uh, that sort of focus. Uh, but it's very economic storytelling of uh, getting those uh, factors out for him. While uh, Kafka is being transferred to be used as a weapon for uh, District Number One, basically everyone's been being transferred right now, actually, because, uh, well, the home base got trashed. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're going to have to reposition you all for a while while we uh, do some we spend some turns on uh, rebuilding over here in this <laughs> 4X game of Man vs. Kaiju. Personally, I get XCOM vibes, but... Uh... And uh, also notably, we have a brief cutaway of our old friend Kaiju number nine, who has um, molted. <laughs> That's a thing he does. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. It's, I, I, I hate him so much. <laughs> he's so disgusting. I suppose he's coming back at some point. Great. <laughs> but hey, new uh, division. Time to introduce a new slew of characters to uh, worry about. We love new characters. 
Yeah. I feel it's important that we point out that at the end of General Shinomiya versus Kafka, uh, when Kafka was down, um, another character leapt in and was about to finish him off before uh, General Shinomiya called him off. Yep. And uh, we learned that that was the captain of Division One, Gen Narumi, who's supposed to be this massive badass, this, you know, the most powerful dude of all the dudes. And he looks super cool. You know, he's got the slick back white hair. He's got show the, me your motivation. The like Nia eyes from Gurren Lagann. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's like, oh, this guy's going to be freaking amazing. And uh, his second in command is uh, Vice Captain Hasegawa. And he's this huge, bald, scarred dude who's like who goes up to Kikaru and is like, all right, I'll introduce you to the new captain. Let's uh, head into his quarters. Kikaru could be standing on her own shoulders, and I don't think she would be as tall as him. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I actually have to say I feel bad because when he's like obviously some like going to her room to like fetch her, he legitimately struggles to get even in the doorway. In the door. He has to he has the, to duck the, down. Some of those scars are just from getting indoors. I mean <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I just love the battle of Kikuru, like, obviously craning her neck to look him in the face. <laughs> She's leaning back so far. You know, he says, uh, we're going to go meet the uh, the captain. And uh, Kikoru, like, like, we get so much internal monologue of Kikoru uh, anticipating this. And uh, the because uh, he is the guy. The guy and, who beat all guys, right? So yeah. yes. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, the inevitable deflation. <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty intimidated by him. I'm just like, <laughs> he, he does have a certain manic energy about him because he is uh, he is like on his cot or his uh, his, his like futon, his like... futon, like draped under a bunch of blankets, mashing on a controller, just like a little closer to platinum rank, a little closer to platinum I'm rank. I'm just saying, if it were me, I would be intimidated for just other reasons. <laughs> no, his office is loaded with trash and just destroyed. But also figures. I mean, that's also intimidating. He's yeah, probably got the gamer latest... power. Yes, that he Do has the you... latest system. He's like almost like number one ranked. I mean, I can't compete with that. I suck at games. He's got his PS5. I mean, his BS5. <laughs> yeah, and his Gundam. I mean, Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> the Gundams. <laughs> uh, I love the way that Japan skirts copyright. Hasegawa is kicking him around. <laughs> like, I told you to clean up this office. I mean, it's my office, so I can do what I want, right? Stop acting cool. It's it's uh, government property. Take better care of it. <laughs> You're just being lazy, <laughs> which he is. <laughs> oh, this would be me if I had that kind of ability. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would do that. <laughs> I, I feel like the absolute best panel to like display their dynamic is uh, Hasegawa picks up Narumi by the back of his shirt <laughs> and he's got the he's got the like three the like kitty cat face <laughs> he's being carried over to be introduced to Kikaru. This is this is your commander plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is your new boss and Gikaru has the best expression what do I do now I can't muster an iota of respect I love the look <laughs> on her face she's so done <laughs> poor oh. Gikaru her life since joining the defense force says 
It's not really been a humiliation conga line because she has been consistently very badass. It is. It has been a humiliation conga line of other people, and she is dying of secondhand cringe. Feel one of those points where you obviously she grew up where there was so much esteem in being on the kaiju force and everything, and then it's kind of like that situation where you like get disillusioned and you realize how it really is. You're like, well, she. Mm-hmm. I was lied to my entire life. These people are just like. Ridiculous. They're just a bunch of weirdos. Yes. Well, yeah. Who do you think would sign up to kill giant monsters? I'm just saying a bunch of weirdos. Yes. (laughs) A uh, perfectly timed. uh, Kaiju uh, appears. Another Godzilla, as it turns out. Definitely not Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, this is this is is the most definitely not Godzilla of any of them. (laughs) Oh, it's clambering out of the ocean. It's got the like frill spikes on its back. It's not Godzilla. It's yeah. whatever generic knockoff of Godzilla you want to call this. That's what this is. It's, it's- Joe Gira. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Kikaru is like, oh, man, this thing's going to be pretty intense. Uh, uh, I wonder how we're going to fight it. And then Narumi's like, hey, watch me do my transformation hair swoop. And he slips. That is he a transformation. His- <laughs> and then I fell in love. <laughs> he slicks his hair back like he's Virgil from Double May Cry. And you mean he's, he's not? He kind of is. But he's got like black hair with like white highlights. And when he yeah. slicks his hair back, has, it's all the has, white highlights. Yes, he has like that duality. Like pro- he has pro tag hair, okay? He's got pro tag hair. Like, like, like we said last time, there are a lot of characters who, in a different manga, would be the protagonist. Here is another one. Mm-hmm. And he, he just he proceeds to one shot Godzilla. He just steps off of a helicopter, falls down, and plunging attacks not Godzilla and one shots it. It's raining giblets everywhere. And he's uh. like, this is the one thing I want from you, uh, Kikuru Shinomiya. Show me overwhelming skill. Everything else is irrelevant. I don't want someone who's well-mannered uh, yet inept. And uh, Kikoru, with, uh, with a very particular look on her face, says, now you're talking. And that, uh, that look to me says, oh, God, these two are going to mix in all of the best and all of the worst ways possible. Like gasoline, like gasoline and fire. Uh, and uh, immediate, immediate next page of or immediate first page of the next chapter is uh, again reading the uh, again reading the local paper, and it's a piece on Captain Ashi on uh, Captain Ashiro, and he's flipping out because he's like, "I destroyed that kaiju. How come I'm not getting top billing?" <laughs> and Gikoru is not happy that she has to deal with this guy. This is what happens when, unfortunately, like the top otaku happens to also be very, very capable and hot. <laughs> it's just like all of this in one. I don't know how to handle. Are you really ego surfing Twitter right now? <laughs> yes, I'm number one. <laughs> she almost says that like word for word. <laughs> Oh my god. The last plot point that we get is Kafka is uh getting assigned uh to Division One as well, 
we can't uh, separate Kikoru from a real dad. Like Kafka immediately is on board with it, but we get more from Gen of uh, yeah, no, Him I don't know. Little prick. In all honesty, the thing that this does from a from a narrative utility uh, perspective is that uh, Kikoru has seen like the many shades of Gen at this point, but uh, Kafka yeah, all hasn't. Two of them. <laughs> um, but uh, Kafka hasn't. So uh, this is this is very similar to that like calling it a fight is probably generous to the not godzilla he killed but uh uh th this is basically uh kafka's version of that restates when uh you know kafka shows his resolve and uh it's it's not like gen didn't see what kafka can do but you know he simply responds uh uh show me skills and results and then uh, he also he, he repeats something that is is something that everyone, including Kafka, has said many times. Uh, if you go berserk again, I'll dispose of you and make you my, into my new suit. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, boss. <laughs> which is uh, which has been the common refrain for all of them. <laughs> what choice does he have? Say no. It is the benefit of the situation that no, he doesn't have a choice, but also he very earnestly does agree. Even if he did have a choice, he'd still say, hey, if I go berserk, kill me before I hurt someone like because <laughs> that's the kind of person Kafka is. And it's the reason why, uh, you know, the people who are close to him and who learned his secret didn't turn on him because, you know, he's that kind of person. Protag here. <laughs> that's the real travesty of this entire manga yeah he doesn't he's got a protag face though when he activates his kaiju form yeah but yeah so, that brings us to the end of our reading yeah, yeah. it feels uh, uh, like it was literally five chapters i know it was i could have kept going so much further it, it like it is so snappy and just fun to consume like you know i said during our platinum end episode that i felt like the last platinum end episode was uh breezy and that felt like damning with faint praise no this is a 110 percent compliment to kaiju number eight it is such an easy and fun read like it is just smooth sailing all the way through this manga and you, you still get a lot to to chew on and think about when it comes to the really good character dynamics yeah, I think that I think the big thing is that the um, the aesthetic is rule of cool, whereas a lot of the depth of the story comes from the uh, from the subtlety of the slow moments of the art, which they're spaced in between big action set pieces. So, yeah, it's uh, it makes him a really cool, really cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and cool guys don't look at explosions. We had to get that one in. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but yeah, since it is the end of our reading, it's time that we uh, ask the seminal questions of all shonen manga, favorite character, and favorite fight. Uh, for myself, oh man, we, we really only had two major fights in this reading section, which, you know, you'd think that would make this choice easy, but it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically we have three. We have, uh, if you include... Uh, kafka's battle inside the mind as a separate fight i feel like you can subdivide a lot of these fights because like there's the section where it's just hoshina versus kaiju number 10 then there's basically the second half of that fight is almost its own fight actually you know, you know what in that case i am going to say phase two of the kaiju number 10 fight was my favorite because like 
in the last reading, we got to see Hoshina versus Kafka, and that was super cool, and it displayed a lot of why Hoshina is such an amazing badass and a very fun character to watch fight. Seeing him on the back foot and then reiterating the idea that, oh yeah, we've got all these like hero tier exalts, like these main character ass main characters who can just who in any other manga would show up and win the day. But no, they still have to work as a team. And seeing them all combine their amazing powers, uh, Mina, uh, Ho- Vice Captain Hoshiro, and uh, Kikuru all coming together to get the big kill was so cool. And also, Tiger! <laughs> Did we mention she has a tiger? <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely my favorite fight. Uh, as for favorite character, it's, it's Gen. <laughs> <laughs> he, he showed up for all of three chapters at the end of our reading and already i can't wait to see how this perfect disaster goblin just ruins every social interaction he's in and it's going to make me laugh particularly involving gikoru yeah yes uh jay how about you as we know there haven't been too many you know fights encounters what have you i would say my favorite fight huh I would have to say with director Shinomiya, the fight between him and Kafka, just because there was a lot of, you know, subliminal exchanges of, you know, the quote unquote law protocol versus, you know, morality and kind of just demonstrating not only, you know, that intersection of what needs to be done, you know, for the cause, which is to exterminate all uh, kaiju versus I can respect this person who has become a kaiju i intend to use him but i still have respect for him and i will not let you know any of my any of my subordinates know about that but there is a level of respect and understanding there that is exchanged um but i would have to say favorite character is honestly very difficult because I mean, they're all great. They are yeah. all great. All pro tags are great forever. And that's not even an exaggeration. Because it started with Hoshina. And then it was Kafka's just, Kafka's everyone's dad. And then there was just, I have to go with Gen. Yes. <laughs> he exudes such power in the way that you perhaps would not perceive it unless you had similar interests. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, he's number one because he's very capable, but he's also a huge he's a nerd. nerd. <laughs> he's, he's menacing in the same way that like a very terrifying username in a, in a multiplayer game is. <laughs> yes. Like you run like you run into that guy in League of Legends whose username is I suck lolly toes and you're like, oh god. <laughs> but it's like I hate you, but I can't. I can't help but respect it. I, respect I, I can't it. look away. It's a train wreck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's gonna have to be my favorite character for now. But I, have to give props to Kafka. He's he's everyone's dad. Indeed. And Jacob for favorite fight. As much as I'd love to have my favorite be the other half of the two and a half that hasn't already been mentioned. Like the the thing I really loved about that entire sequence, that like you know continuous action set piece, is that you kind of expect the most intense stuff to be that stuff in the beginning, and then it just keeps ramping up. So you know, part two of that fight where Mina comes in, and like I love I love the team dynamic of uh, Kikoru 
isn't strong enough to just brute force slice clean through uh, the monster. So Hoshna cuts a wedge in the plate so that she can cut the rest of the way through. And that's how they're able to slow it down enough that Nina can hit it. You know, it, like like the teamwork, the choreography. Nina has a tiger. Did we mention she has a tiger? Mm-hmm. Nina, did we mention she has a tiger? Ashiro. Uh, that needs to be a t-shirt, by the way. It's a t-shirt idea. <laughs> that is a good t-shirt idea. <laughs> Again, at uh, at uh, 100 supporters on the Patreon, we don't have. We'll make merch with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that's that got to be my favorite fight. Uh, I, I do really love uh, a lot of the subtleties of uh, the fight between um, director Shinamina, uh, Shinamiya and uh, Kafka, because uh, that's a really layered fight that has a lot of extra to it that um, isn't just, you know, the cool fight choreography. And it also is really freaking cool. But the three coolest characters are Hikoru, Hoshina, and Mina. And, you know, like, you know, the only one who's close to that has Kafka in, in kaiju form. And that the back half of that fight had all four of them. So, like, come on. <laughs> As for favorite character, honestly, I had to tell you, Boy, I did not expect to love Kikoru as much as I did in this section because I already freaking adored her. What a like the perfect Aru. I want to give her head pats and tell her it's going to be okay, even <laughs> though she could probably break me with a thought. Um, and of course, Kafka was I mean, like, like in a lot of ways, um, you know, protagonists are usually your first favorite, but then on subsequent sections, like they, they tend to slip down because they're usually like they're, they stay as great, but then you see what's so cool about the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. So Kafka is equally as cool as ever. Uh, and you know, he's getting more competition because we're seeing more of the other characters because damn, if Hoshina isn't great. Uh, the only reason why he didn't really, uh, thrill me so much is that, um, it's very much a case of he's a very tropey character. He's a well-executed trope, so that's not a criticism, but he is very tropey and thus predictable. So it didn't really, like, surprise me or anything. Number one character, despite how tight the race is, really easy for me. Director Shinamiya by a landslide. Solid choice. And, I mean, I, I went over it in in detail, like, during the main review section, so I'll paraphrase it here. The big thing is, he's such a subtle character. He is, he is a bad person. He's an asshole. He is also a pillar of strength for the characters, in spite of the fact that he is also, in many ways, uh, Kikoru, for example's biggest weakness. The fact that they're able to establish the good in him without ever letting you forget that he's still not a person you're supposed to like. I love how they wove his character together almost entirely around his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause a lot of the words he says implies that he's done a heel face turn and he's just a good guy now. But like, especially when it comes to a lot of the facial expressions, no, he's still not great. <laughs> He's, he's still a daddy issues the character. One thing that's an interesting uh, topic of discussion for this section, um, Kafka's secret is just out now. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit of a change of pace. Well, I mean, it's kind of like you got to pull the bandaid off. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually something that I've, I've found kind of interesting because it's it's something that I've noticed is happening a lot more in a lot of modern series where a, a uh, status yeah. quo gets established and then way sooner than you expect, 
it gets radically altered. Mm -hmm. And it, it, there are some cases where uh, I feel like uh, the dynamic that I don't feel like the dynamic of Kafka hiding his, you know, his kaiju his side kaiju powers was yeah, fully that... explored. The, the thing I immediately think of is, and a lot of shonen anime tended to do this, but shonen anime is really the only case where it was done. It's, you look at Western comics and there's this thing about like, you know, Batman never ages a day, you know? Mm -hmm. Spider-Man has graduated high school like 45 times, started going to college and never leaves college. And then he graduates and then he goes back to high school. Like, like there's, there's never any progression in a lot of like Western comics in particular and a lot of, uh, a lot of the classic Shonen series, uh, Dragon Ball, One Piece, uh, Naruto, like the old guard. It can feel like that with, uh, with how lengthy they are. They have a tendency of maintaining the status quo. Demon Slayer rapidly changed its uh, uh, status quo. Uh, some of the other stuff that we've been reading recently have they, had these big turns. Uh, yeah, and so when you're like less than 40 chapters into a manga where ostensibly this guy has to hide, he has to do the superhero secret identity thing, it's like, nope, we're just blowing that straight out of the water. <laughs> we understand why the superhero secret identity thing is cool. We had as much fun as that as we wanted to with uh, the character dynamics of that. And uh, now it'll be boring if we do it any longer. So here we go. And uh, taking a hammer to that smash. I, I respect it for that. Yeah, there is to some extent where um, I feel like uh, we're in a bit of a transition period when it comes to storytelling in general, because this is something that gets complained about. I personally think that there is a middle ground that because um, I like the thing for me is I don't think that the that the secret identity angle has had been fully explored personally. I feel like there was more story to tell there and it feels like we're accelerating past more kaiju number eight that we could have gotten. To even call that a complaint is too much. It's just sort of an observation. It's not unique to kaiju number eight either. Um, you know, I've mentioned the series uh, Ruby on occasion. And uh, one of the things I feel is I feel that Ruby as a series did basically the same thing where it's pretty obvious that they're trying to get to further along plot points in the overall story. Filler doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like a status quo doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's when it becomes repetitive. I feel like to some extent there might be some overcorrecting being done for certain series. Um, but like, I think it's also good that we're transitioning away from the perpetual story because even if you continue telling a story in the same universe with the same characters, actual stories should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like, you should have stopping points. So, mm. always that uh, that challenge when you have something like Shonen Jump, like a weekly manga, like, you know. <laughs> so you're encouraged to kind of keep it going forever. Uh, Jay, do you have any uh, perspective on this and the, <laughs> the abrupt shattering of the status? Um... I guess I don't really have too much as far as perspective other than either something is going to catastrophically change because we're still getting used to the biology of this new hybrid form that he kind of has. So I feel like the fact that they've revealed it and that there is a segment, you know, within the forces who have accepted him as still having a personhood and he's still walking this line of whether or not he's a full out because his biology they have observed has changed. 
but we still don't know to what extent, you know, the biology of him also being a kaiju um, will start to take root. And I feel like there's going to be an instance where some shenanigans happens that forcibly tilts that scale. And then we're going to have to force, be forced to kind of reconcile that and how Kafka, the man, has to once again rebalance it. Because mm. I feel like this is a very premature pulling back of the curtain and everything looks stable for now, right? Um, we're still being exposed to new kaiju coming out. The kaiju are learning. They're exploring new formations. We have, I think, the mushroom kaiju. Is that kaiju number nine? Or kaiju? Yeah, that's yeah. number nine. Kaiju number nine is, you know, very, very intelligent and perhaps knows something about the hybrid model that could potentially throw a wrench in Kafka's plans. Mm -hmm. um so i think that kind of the premature reveal so to say is lining us up for some some other you know um surprise down the road that will kind of derail because i feel like it's just so soon that oh by the way i'm actually a kaiju but i still have my humanity intact oh mm -hmm. cool okay well we're just going to team you up with the strongest you know kaiju hunter force and you know to kind of balance you guys out cool everything is all right and going going according to plan until something has to happen you know mm. yeah one of the things that i noted is that kaiju number nine uh said that he was going to go reclaim that power for the kaiju and clearly talking about kafka it seems in that case like um the little gremlin that went down his throat and gave him the power to become a kaiju uh is sort of acting as a MacGuffin in that case, and that it's something that can be reclaimed. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, kind of dovetailing into the uh, general theories on kaiju biology and the direction of the story, is does this mean we're going to get a section where, as a darkest hour thing in the, you know, general story structure, Kafka gets beaten by kaiju number nine and gets his powers taken away by having that bit of him ripped out and then he's just back to being a regular old human mm. and then suddenly it would matter a whole lot that he was trying to train with all of the defense force weapons and armor <laughs> so that he can still actively participate that's a that's an interesting thought in a broader scope it does seem like the kaiju are manifesting more and more as a uh, an organized force again talking about how there's obviously a whole bunch of inspirations that have come uh together to create this manga i can't help but feel if the broader plot is pulling a little bit from pacific rim where the yeah. kaiju <laughs> yep. where the kaiju were basically just terraforming force they were based they were bioengineered natural disasters designed to go into a new world and destroy everything there that would be toxic to the invading aliens so the original kaiju like literally the lore of godzilla was supposed to be nature fighting back mm -hmm. so yeah it could be kind of a mix of the two and uh it's the fact that there are more and more of these super high powered uh humanoid kaiju showing up these daikaiju that can think and coordinate and seem to have some sort of broader goal that they're reaching towards that uh, 
really intrigues me. Dating shows, and you're gonna have like, oh no, I'm dating a kaiju coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean the thing the thing for me that I immediately uh, can't help but think about is what are the kaiju's? Because um, I mean, like Godzilla has had many different forms and origins. Uh, the uh, uh, the fifty four film, um, he's literally a metaphor for the death brought on by the nuclear bombs. Like he doesn't have a in universe origin. He is literally just a walking death metaphor. Um, you know, then you have the the legendary pictures Godzilla, which is um, which leans into that nature fighting back thing, and it it is explicitly in universe the case and i mean like they've had like three or four different kaiju that have been explicit godzilla references and godzilla has a lot of lore i'm a big fan of it godzilla is psychic for example did you know that mm -hmm. um <laughs> there seemed to be a lot of inspiration drawn from that but one thing i couldn't help but notice is almost immediately it's at the end of the first chapter they establish a kaiju can make a person into a kaiju yeah but maintain their mind and you have kaiju number nine everything but like 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 kaiju number nine and kafka were unique in that they were the talking thinking kaiju and then number 10 showed up and now it's becoming typical the immediate the immediate idea would be something along the lines of like a mad scientist collected a kaiju made and either is or made kaiju number nine Kafka was, you know, Mark II, and then the story happens. Because up to that point, kaiju had been presented as if they were just animals. You know, sort of sort of the idea, even onto the level of the um uh, you know, Kafka mentioning that the wyvern type kaiju don't work together, that's that's thinking like an animal. You know, that's that's a that's a creature that's only a threat to people because it's an animal that's dangerous wandering into a populated area. Mm -hmm. But the but like the existence of Kaiju number 10, the way that uh, Kaiju number 10 worked with those uh, Wyvern Kaiju, like that they seemed purpose built to then be a bomb if the plan went wrong, as if all of the Kaiju were made. So mm -hmm. where do they come from? You know, and in universe, nobody knows. So I feel like they just I feel like show the, up. I feel like the exploration of the origin of kaiju is going to be a big factor moving forward. Um, and you know, understanding why and how Kafka's in this, not just why and how Kafka in particular is in this situation, but like you know, humanity one of the big itself. like one of the big things is if the kaiju are just animals, then humanity can learn to live with the existence of kaiju. And, you know, you can just have, you know, quirky stories of kaiju wandering into Japan and, and the defense force fighting them. And then, you know, the main plot would be Kafka dealing with this, you know, wacky situation he's in. But the way that the the way that the antagonist characters are have so much intent and personality really seems to be shifting the story in the direction of somebody has a plan there is an end goal to these things showing up and that is different from the the vibe up to that point i think it's also uh important to point out that at the end of our uh reading at the end of chapter 40 it's like and now episode five the kaiju weapon <laughs>
They actually, in the manga itself, demarcate their uh, arcs, which is uh, uh, very nice and convenient. I really like that. <laughs> but that is something that we will have to see next time. And, uh, of course, would you continue reading to see that next time? Uh, I think uh, that's a resounding yes from all of us, right? Of course. I'm looking forward. I am not going to not read it this time. It is, it is open mm -hmm. and on my uh, desktop on the Shonen Jump app. And, Ready uh, to go for more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like I said in the first episode, this combines I think three or four different series that I really, <laughs> really like, and it's just all the, all the best parts of them. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, same for me. Pro probably different series, too. <laughs> I'm just saying, it just condenses so much of what I love into one thing. Unfortunately, this might mean that, oh, am I going to become a more efficient reader? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of uh, four series, I have to read. I only have one. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, thank you, everyone, once again, for listening to the Over Manga Cast. As always, you can catch us on all of the social medias where we are at Over Manga Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. And uh, you can also uh, find us on YouTube where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Episodes go up uh, two weeks later there than they go up everywhere else. Email us suggestions uh, at uh, overmangacast.gmail.com, I believe. At, at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Go to overmangacast.com to leave comments. Uh, we got all the episodes up there for you. Uh, and uh, we just love any kind of feedback you have for us in general. Absolutely. And make sure to tune in next Thursday where uh, we are going to be returning to the wild world of Don Don. Don Don. That'll be uh, chapters 18 through 27. If you're keeping up with the show, uh, we will have the return of friend of the pod, Jump Cody. Jake and I will not be there, but you can uh, join uh, Matt, Jay and Cody next week for that. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. <laughs>